Hey, Velocity Church. It's always great when you have a hookup, right? That one person that you think of that's got an in somewhere. Maybe it was the first person that you met when you got into the neighborhood and they were the ones that introduce you to everyone. Or maybe it's that friend who can get you into the restaurant. Maybe that's hard to get into. If if you know of that person, like, let me know because I want to get into. Uh, maybe it's somebody who got you tickets to a game or something like that. It's always great to have somebody who knows somebody. It's, it's a makes things fun. Uh, they get you into maybe your favorite band or maybe your favorite author. They're the first thing that show, first person to show you how to do this thing that you're really good at now. Um, someone who introduced you to your spouse maybe for the first time or maybe just opened a door in your life into a whole new way of experiencing and being. And as we continue in the sermon series on Jesus' I am statements in the Gospel of John, we're going to be talking about just that. Jesus' next I am statement is about him being the hookup, being the door and the way in. Uh, remember last week, Jesus was in a pretty heated conversation with one particular group of people called the Pharisees. And in John chapter 10, that conversation continues with Jesus teaching with an allegory. In verse 1, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus starts this allegory, and it's actually going to last us two weeks because within this same allegory, he uses two I am statements to describe himself. And shepherding was one of the top three occupations where Jesus was. Uh, people knew about shepherding, they knew about fishing, and they knew about farming. It was an agrarian society. There were sheep everywhere. Jesus using sheep and being a shepherd and all of these uh, pictures as an illustration would be like me talking about cell phones. Everybody has one. Everybody understands them. Everyone ever understood sheep metaphors then. And it's no secret at all that Jesus did not approve of the way the Pharisees led. He's constantly calling them out as hypocrites or heartless or missing the point. Their biggest concern was always making sure that people knew and understood their place under them when it came to following the law, and they used guilt and shame to rule people. They ruled really based on fear. Jesus' motivation was love, and he taught people to honor God and seek holiness not simply as a way to appease God, but as a response to God's great love for them. And so as Jesus is using the sheep metaphor, he's using it as a contrast to how the Pharisees act and how God acts. In fact, if you read through the Bible, even in the Old Testament, you will see sheep and the idea of a shepherd, like Psalm chapter 23, for example, the Lord being our shepherd, uh, is used throughout the entire Bible. Several writers use the same picture of God being a shepherd and mankind being sheep. And a shepherd's main job to, is to keep the sheep safe and lead them to food and water. And because of all this attention, as Jesus describes, sheep begin to trust and listen to and hear their master's voice, their shepherd. They would recognize their voice and only obey their voice to the exclusion of all others. 
And so Jesus would continue to talk about his sheep listening to his voice. And we'll pick that up next week a little bit more. All of this would have been familiar to the listeners. And that's what makes verse 6 really interesting. Because as Jesus teaches this allegory that everybody really probably should understand because they can look around and have experienced what Jesus is saying, the Pharisees don't pick up and understand what he's telling them. And the reason they don't understand what Jesus is saying is because they're confused about what their role is in the narrative, where they consider themselves the gatekeepers of being in with God. Jesus is calling them the thieves and the robbers. He's pointing out that they bully the flock, that they take resources that really aren't even theirs. And knowing they don't understand, Jesus presses forward. And so in verse 7, he begins to unpack the allegory with our I am statement. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so Jesus calls himself the gate, or in your translation, it may say that Jesus says he's the door. And this metaphor may not sound as exciting or enticing maybe as Jesus saying he is the bread or that Jesus is the light, but Jesus being the gate for his sheep gets down to the important details of how Jesus goes about being savior and king. Here's a picture of the gate for our garden, and and you can probably tell from the picture that it was built economically, not to look amazing or be incredibly sturdy, Uh, but what it does is it accomplishes two things. It protects and it provides access. And what Jesus is saying through his I am the gate statement is that Jesus is protection for and access to full life, true life. Protection is both about keeping out the bad things and keeping in the good things. You don't want your pets running out into the street or your children just running unsupervised through the neighborhood. Well, I guess it depends on how much you've been cooped up. Uh, You also want to keep out thieves and robbers or deer in the case of our garden. But it also lets you in to reap the benefits of belonging to the fold. Sheep were kept in a number of different places. They could be kept in a pen or in a cave or uh, in a courtyard of a house and uh, attached at the home. And they were put in there at night to protect them from thieves and robbers and predators. Uh, But a really unique habit of these shepherds is that they would actually sleep in the doorway, in the gateway of wherever the sheep were enclosed. Sometimes, in fact, it was just a rock enclosure with a hole in the wall, and the shepherds would sleep right there. That way, if something or someone came to crawl's trouble, they would be there and ready to react to keep the sheep safe. And so when Jesus says, I'm the gate, his hearers could picture that type of shepherd using his life to protect the life of the flock from robbers, thieves, and predators. Oftentimes, it's easy to let other things be our door, maybe because they seem to be more tangible. We trust in these things to provide us with safety. We'll talk about things like financial security or job security. We'll talk about other people in our lives saving us from something. We'll put our trust in government to take care of us and save us. We lean on hobbies and pastimes to carry us through hard times. When things get really bad, we develop addictions and self-medicate. And some of these things may help to take the edge off, but finances, for example, are always susceptible to crumble. Jobs last until 
they don't. Uh, until businesses take a hit that they can't get through. Relationships, well, they're great until they aren't. And the government, uh, they can try to provide help, but it doesn't always quite work out the way that we want. And the other stuff is really just a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. It can only get you by for so long. And so Jesus says, I am the door. I will protect you because I provide safety on every level. I bring spiritual safety. In fact, Jesus provides salvation, and that's how we're protected the most. In Romans chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Doors provide safety, and Jesus brings that for you and for me if we want it. Safety from the impact of sin on this world, safety from the impact of our own sin on our own souls, safety even from the impact of other sins against us. The hallmark of thieves and robbers are to drain you and me of our resources for social, economic, political, and even religious gain, and then they'll move on to greener pastures and other sheep. Meanwhile, we're left unprepared for the work of the pasture to graze, to find satisfaction in God's provision, and to do the work of being a part of that provision for others. And the perspective of Jesus being the gate is that Jesus' protection gives us the rest we need to do the work to which we're called. And when we exhaust ourselves over the proceedings of the things that don't matter, we're left unprotected and unenergized for those that do. For example... If I were to, not that any of us would, give a disproportionate reaction to needing to wear a mask in public, I've used up that energy, which maybe could be used for something more important, like injustice. When I'm concerned about what other people should be providing me with, then I'm ignoring the ways that God fills up and protects me and fills up my cup so that I can pour out and provide for others. The protection that Jesus provides us is from human wisdom so that we might access the peace, godly wisdom, and godly living provides us. We find safety in the pen and in the pasture when we access life through Jesus. Through Jesus, we have access to God's promises that we would not otherwise have access to. Let me read a few verses that talk about this. Romans 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 2, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Colossians 1, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus gives us access to the peace of God and peace with God, access to God's grace, which brings salvation. This reconciliation within God's presence is meant to be to the exclusion of any other life focus. There's so many things that we can trust in and be distracted by, uh, thinking that we will receive protection for it and our access to life we were meant for. uh, And and those things are, are sideways energy and they drain us. And it's only a life that's protected and provided by Jesus that can give us life to the full. 
a few years ago on Memorial Day, and, and really this is uh, part of a trip that every year, every other year I go on with some friends from college. We'll go on a canoe trip, and a few years ago we went down to the Roanoke River and spent a couple days on the river canoeing. And as we're going along uh, on Memorial Day, we were fishing, some of us were fishing, and not really having much success. And we found out other people were having success with worms. And so there's a guy who was coming down, uh, coming down the river and stopped. And so we asked him, hey man, do you have any worms? Because we were thinking, oh, we'll buy some off of them and be able to use them, catch some fish, maybe eat them that night. And so this guy, we found that his name was Randy. He said, sure, I'll be right back. So Randy went down the river 10 minutes, came back, gave us worms, wouldn't let us pay for them. And we got to talking to him a little bit and found out that Randy actually knew uh, a buddy of ours who was with us. He knew his dad. His dad was his preacher. This is a town of about 500 people. So it wasn't all that surprising. And so he said, hey, follow me and come, come down to our little sportsman club that we have uh, down the river. And so we did. And it turns out that they got this nice nice setup. They've got a dock. They've got this room. I mean, it's really like a man cave sportsman club. They've got, you know, pictures of fish that they caught and all that kind of stuff all over the place. They had air conditioning, which was amazing because after paddling on the river all day, we were pretty exhausted. We got to hang out there. We got to eat some snacks. We got to meet some other guys. We got to meet Dewey, who apparently was an amazing catfisher. He's 81 years old, and we got to hang out with him. Uh, we got to miss, meet some other guys. Uh, one guy's name was Guy. And apparently he was the resident fishing expert and knew where to catch all the fish in the river. And so when we asked him how, he said, well, you take a hook and you get it on the fish's lip and then you pull. And so he wasn't really that much help, I guess. Uh, there was another guy who had just caught a five-gallon bucket of fish. And Randy said, hey, give them some of your fish so they can have that later on tonight. And so we had that and we had that for dinner tonight, uh, that night. And it was great. And so we stayed there for like three hours. We hung out in the AC. We got to know them. They offered us something to drink and food um, but it was time to go at that point and so we were, we were heading on and he was like oh man you guys can stay here the night if you want you guys can just sleep on the couches in here and not have to tent camp outside and all that kind of stuff it was amazing uh, we decided to continue on down the river but he said hey if you come back tomorrow I'll, I'll grill steaks out for you so just let me know um, Randy gave us this incredible hospitality. It, it was amazing. He didn't really know us, although we found out that we were somewhat connected, but he told us all about the sportsman club and he said, hey, if you're ever in the area again, make sure you stop by because if I found out you came through and you didn't stop by, I want you to, you know, I'd be upset. And in fact, take a picture with us and send it to us so we can put it up in our sportsman club just so we can prove that we had this crazy crew of five preachers stay and hang out with us. Um, and, and the moral of the story is, it, it just goes to show you never know what can happen when you ask a stranger if they have worms. Okay, maybe that's not it. But Randy ended up being a door to community in that place and in that time for us. He didn't know us. He, he knew a guy that knew some of us. But he welcomed us in. He gave us access to his place. He gave us permission to be on his property to come and go. He gave us rest in this protected space that was his and some buddies. He gave us access to his resources, all because of his response to our need. And I don't want to underestimate the value of a simple question. And, and one of the things that Jesus does for us is, is that he offers us 
all of this rest and all of this protection from a simple question, and that is, hey, are you willing to allow me to be your gate? Is he the gate that you and I let protect and filter how we view and how we approach the world and the people around us? I mean, it it changes lives, and that's how Christianity has progressed throughout history. It's changed my life. I wouldn't be living in this city and doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for Jesus welcoming me in with his forgiveness and grace, mercy, and love. And even though I mess up, Jesus continues to provide that, that hospitality and care and looking over. One of, the, one of the tasks that the shepherds engaged in every night as sheep came in from the pasture is the shepherd would check each and every one of them, look them over for injuries, put oil on a cut so it would heal, all of those things. And he knew each and every one of them very well. And the same exists for us today. Whether we're walking in for the first time or for the thousandth time, Jesus is the door for the sheep, and he wants us to be able to come in, to be safe, and then to be able to go out and find pasture. And that peace that he provides all of us through the cross is meant to be shared with the sheep we have around us. And so we ask ourselves through the words and the thoughts and the actions of our lives, promote that same peace and that same comfort that Jesus provides as the gate to the promises of God. Jesus says, I'm the gate. And the only opportunity the thief has for destroying that peace and that comfort that God provides is when we wander away from him. As we prepare to take communion together, I want to ask you to think about and meditate what does it mean for Jesus to be the doorkeeper, the gatekeeper, the gate of your life? How does that affect what you pay attention to? And how does that affect how you react to the things around you? How does that affect and impact the things that you allow to spark joy or steal joy or spark peace or, or take peace away from your heart and your mind and your soul? Jesus is the gate, and this is what he does through the work of the cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection, is that he both protects us and he provides for us through that life. Let's pray as we celebrate that together through communion. God, as we uh, meditate on who you are through what it means for you to be the doorway of our life, for, for you to both protect us and, and give us access to life with God. God, we ask that you would help, help us to see those areas in our life that maybe, uh, you know, we've allowed energy to be and resources to be taken away from us when really we could be refocused on, on who you are and what you do for us. And God, through this time of communion, we, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.